Hello. Welcome to yeah, the Yogi Podcast. Yogi Podcast. It's time, guys. With all our graphics. It's Wednesday night. We're live coming to you from Orange County, California. Usually you don't say that. Trying something new. Okay. This is episode 106 <laughs> of the Media Boat Podcast. If you don't know what we are, Media Boat Podcast is your source for news about movies, television, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, my name is Matt. His name is Mike. I can hear you over there. <laughs> there. Mute you. There's no loop. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. My name is Matt. Your name is Mike. Hi, I'm Matt. No. I'm Matt. No. You're Mike. I'm Matt. Okay, Hi, I'm Mike. My name is Jeff. <laughs> my name is Jim. Very... Nice to meet you. It's a good take. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm Mike. He's Matt. This is the Media Boat Podcast. It's uh, January. Yes, it's January. Second week of the new year. We're already ten days into this thing. I broke it. And you, need to you, fix know, your you broke it. Uh, yeah. You, it's, it's you went to picture mode. January tenth, uh, twenty eighteen. This is uh, yet another episode. Let's get rolling into it. We always start with, of course, movies, and we always start movies with the box office number. Right, we already went. We talked about right movies, TV, music, and video games. Yeah, I already said that. You totally were not paying attention. Yeah, I am. Now you are. All right. right, So we always start with movies, and we always start with the box office. So we have some numbers for you for this past weekend in movies. So let's crunch some numbers here. So we did not take a bet. Uh, If you're a new uh, listener to the podcast, you may not want to know. Sometimes we take bets on uh, what's going to be number one. Not any actual financial bets. We don't have the kind of money to throw around to do that. But uh, every once in a while, we'll say, like, yeah, I bet such and such is going to be your number one movie. If we had done that last week, we would have both lost. Oh, yes. Because in a week where Insidious, The Last Key, uh, which was your big horror release, right, horror the, movies, the new movie that came out, traditionally been doing pretty well at the box office, we usually call if there's a new horror movie, it'll be number one. Usually. It wasn't. This week, out of the jungle comes Jumanji with its first number one win after spending a couple weeks trailing uh, Star Wars. Yeah, apparently yeah. people have been... Hearing good things about it going to the movies. Yeah. Whether it's word of mouth or just things are slowing down for the Star Wars crowds. Either way. Uh, or, um, you know, it's um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson doing yeah. his rounds. People and people, people have been, actually, also people have been talking about Jack Black and that thing. Yes. Like I said, welcome back, Jack Black. Welcome back, Jack Black. Yes. Welcome back, Jack Black. Which is funny because I saw a, like, a couple uh, days ago. Yeah. I saw a thing for him. In a new Netflix special. Now he's just everywhere then. Yeah, he's, he's getting everywhere. He's getting, getting everywhere. Getting all over you. Yeah. All right. Uh, so next. Uh, so Jumaji was your number one movie with $37 million to add to its total, which domestically reaches about $245 million. Yeah, it's be 250 which is a solid... Nothing at. No. Solid domestic run for that. Number two was Insidious The Last Key, your new movie this week, uh, de- debuting with uh, $29 million, uh, which... It's not bad considering it's a $10 million budget. Yeah, for $10 million. So it's uh, money the first weekend, not bad. Yeah. But that's, it's a that, horror movie for you. Right, but that's also what you look for in a studio. You want yeah. a, you want something to make money. And round out your top five. Star Wars dropped to number three with another $23 million. That thing uh, broke $570 uh, worldwide. I mean, sorry, uh, domestically. Yes. A lot more than that worldwide. It passed a billion about a week and a half ago. Yep. Uh, the Greatest Showman is your number four movie with 13 million. Pitch Perfect 3 came in at number five with an even 10. 
Yeah. So, it's a slow week, but we got stuff coming out. Uh, yeah, next weekend uh, is, this Friday technically, your movies are three movies. One for each kind of segment of your audience. Okay. We have so The Commuter. Everyone. Now I'm not familiar with The Commuter. What is The Commuter? This is the Liam Neeson I'm on a train movie. Oh, okay. I saw an ad for this today. Yes. But, however, this is not... This is non-stop on a train. Wait a minute. Was it non-stop on a... Oh, wait. No. Well, non-stop was on a plane. Yes. You're right. So this is Liam Neeson in non-stop on a train. So he just needs to do one on a car, and then he has the planes, trains, and automobiles trilogy. Yeah. Well, I think if you want to count Taken <laughs> in a car, because of Taken 2, he was literally trapped in a car oh, for like the first he? half of that movie. I didn't see Taken 2 or 3. Oh, sorry. That happened. Or 4. <laughs> Have there been 4? Uh, like there's been 4. No, there's been 3. Okay. Anyway, Take 3. Attack 3 in was the last one. Then also next uh, this uh, this week you have Paddington Two uh, for, the, for kids. the family. Uh, so that's the sequel, of course, to Paddington. Yes, this is that commercial you've been seeing everywhere, even like on late night TV for some reason. It's if you still... like foreign snuff stuffed bears, <laughs> then you'll love this movie. I actually heard the first Paddington was fine. I've heard that People too. Liked it. Okay, I mean, fine. I guess that's why I did get a sequel. Maybe. And uh, your last new release this week is I lost my place. It is. Proud Mary. Ah, yes. This is the uh, Taraji B. Henson. P. Henson. Yes. Unless there's another Taraji Henson that she would be Taraji B. Henson. <laughs> to follow our naming scheme. No, the no, Taraji P. Henson uh-huh. in Proud Mary. Okay. Uh, this is your shoot-em-up uh, action-packed movie of the weekend. Okay, cool. So some, a little something for everybody this week, yeah. sounds like. All right, uh, that does so, do we want to put it number releases. one? Uh, I don't know. This one's hard to tell because Jumanji would have to drop... If it dropped 50 from here, it would still make 14. Right. I'd say it's possible for Insidious to beat it, but Liam Neeson does have power in the box uh, over office. Over 14? Over 14? I think Liam Neeson can do it. Let's go with the commuter. Why not? I'm going to go with Paddington. You're going to go with the, the I'm going to go with flick. the Family Bear. It has been a bit since a family movie. So yeah. So might have something there. I'm going to go with the Family Bear. All right. Well, we'll check back in next week. All right. So that's our bet for the week. Then. Let's move into movie news. Movie Your news. first bit of movie news is about Matt Reeves, who, of course, is the writer and director of the next and, solo Batman movie. Right. And brace yourself. This is what Matt Reeves looks like. That's Matt Reeves? That's Matt Reeves. He looks like somebody gave, like, John Lennon glasses to an owl. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't know sure. what Matt... Apparently, I didn't know what Matt Reeves looked like. Now you know what Matt Reeves looks <laughs> now like. Now I know what he looks like. So he is, a, yeah, as I mentioned, the writer and director of the next solo Batman movie, The Batman. Yes. For Warner uh, Brothers. Right. Starring Ben Affleck after he dropped out of directing it. But that's not all he's doing. No. He's made a deal with Netflix, as you are wont to do these days, if you are a big shot in Hollywood. For the exclusive first look at any feature films that Reeves and his production company called Sixth in Idaho, it's good. Yes, that's producer it. Producer direct. <laughs> so yeah, uh, of course, his uh, most recent movie, uh, a little movie called War for the Planet of the Apes. He's I think, Mr. Apes. I think that was in my top movies of the year. Yes, uh, yes, it was. Uh, was with Fox. Those uh, Planet right. of the Apes movies. But yeah, no, Fox is going with Disney now. Right. Well, merging. Not going with. They got it's a hostile fire. takeover. Uh, which uh, it still has a development deal for Mouse Guard, which I'm guessing that's a movie. Yes. Yes. These are all movies. Mouse Guard, 
with uh, someone named Wes Ball directing. Right. Good name. Wes, Wes Ball. Ball. Wes Ball. Uh, also, The Passage at uh, Fox. You have broadcasting here, so is that a TV show? I believe that is a TV okay. show. And The Care and Feeding of a Pet Black Hole, which is, looks like it's animated. Yes. That sounds good. I think that is an animated movie feature. So those are already stuff he has in the works with Fox. Right. Everything after that will have Netflix will get first look. And if you're Correct. not a Hollywood type out there, first look basically means that if they make it, they don't get to shop around to other studios until Netflix sees it first. So Netflix basically gets to have the first meeting, the first pitch meeting. They get the pitch. They say, eh, do we want this? Do we not want this? If they say they want this, they keep it and they make it. If they say they pass, then Matt Reeves can go to other studios and shop Which will most likely be Warner's because he's got a good deal right, with them. Right, or Fox. Or Fox. Slash Disney now. Right. But this doesn't mean that that Batman movie is going to Netflix. No, it doesn't. No. That is a Batman Warner Brothers already movie. Warner already deal set in place. He's just going in to direct it. This is for anything that the, his company makes, 6th in Idaho. So uh, that's uh, that's a, uh, something good for uh, Matt Reeves, but so something yeah. good for everybody who sees movies is, of course, Movie Pass. Yeah, You're so an avid Movie Pass user. Yeah, I'm an avid Movie Pass user. Um, I'm the type of person Movie Pass hates. Yes, because I'll abuse it. I'll, I'll abuse it. So this is our usual check-in uh, Movie Pass. We talked yeah, about it a handful so, times. Yeah, we're just checking it because it was holiday season. Yeah, past couple of months here, and so it just so happens that now the service has one point five million subscribers. Yeah, and considering I, that uh, before the price drop, it had fifty thousand. This is good. This is an incredible leap. So yeah, it's added five hundred thousand in less than one month. Which is insane. I'm going to chalk that one up to holiday sales, actually. So it looks like not only can you chalk that up to Hollywood, Hollywood, wow. Hollywood sales. Ho- holiday sales. You can also chalk it up to a spe- the special deal with Costco that we mentioned on this very podcast. Yep. That brought the subscription price down to six ninety five a month, but also exclusive streaming access to a uh, service that gave you uh, classic films as well. Yeah, classic and uh, independent style yeah. films. So uh, yeah, this uh, could be a combination of the two. Uh, pumping up its numbers but otherwise really good for the company in fact CEO CEO of the uh, past Mitch Lowe uh, was uh, stated saying that we're giving a people to go back to the movie theaters and they're going in droves and yeah he's right yep and because a lot of people now have it maybe more people will see the awards movies that come out yeah I, I think that the uh, which actually may turn into being good ratings for uh, the Oscars right because more people will have seen said movies because yeah the thing they always say about the post Oscars uh, like ratings stuff where either they're screaming about it or being very proud right. is oh well people saw movies that's why people watched it or people didn't see any of these movies that's why no one watched it right like what was that one year where like that had the lowest ratings in the history of the show, which was when, like, shoot, I forget which one. Oh, the artist. When the artist won. It was like, it was like all yeah, these super niche movies that nobody saw. Yeah. That's, and the year after that is when they expanded the, the best picture to 10. Right. <laughs> Anyways, moving, moving on, on to the big story of the week, uh, past week. Won't uh, be nominated for uh, best picture. Is anything described in the next story? Uh, yes. Uh, Warner Brothers has tapped horror creative. Walter Hamada to oversee DC Films production as part of their uh, last week, uh, the shakeup that we talked about a bit last week. Right. We uh, we didn't actually go into any detail about no. this. I think we actually talked about this off the podcast. We may have. Uh, 
But yeah, so Warner Brothers and DC, uh, well, DC right here for Hamada, but Warner Brothers in general has had a big shakeup yeah. within the past week. Yeah, a lot of people are uh, moving around in the offices over there, uh, executive wise. This is part of it. Uh, so they also decided to replace John Berg and President and Jeff Johns as the head of DC Movies. Jeff Johns remains as DC as president as uh, president chief creative officer, but his portfolio will continue to provide creative guidance and will quote work closely with the new production president. So he's right. no longer top dog. Right. He's, right. He's no longer the guy in charge. There's no longer Jeff Johns' world. Yeah. They brought in Hamada to be their Kevin Feige, which is smart. Uh, so yeah, uh, Hamada previously served for a decade as production executive at New Line, where he helped uh, horror hits such as It and The Gallows and The Conjuring franchise uh, to be big hits, and they all were. Yep, uh, those were uh, uh, Warner Brothers' New Line works. Yeah. New Line kind of came up out of nowhere in the last like ten years. And yeah, became a fighting force because of these smaller budget. Uh, which which is something that we've actually been covering for the past two years is yeah. these small horror budgets turning big profits. Sure are. Uh, yeah, uh, so he has a close relationship with director James Wan, who is, of course, directing the upcoming Aquaman for DC. Mm-hmm. He's also worked with the current Warner Brothers chairman, uh, president, and chief content officer Toby Emmerich when he ran New Line before moving over in 2016. Right, but uh, now Toby Emmerich has a new job. Yeah. Not only this, but Sue Kroll is relinquishing her role as president of Worldwide Marketing and Distribution for instead a three-year producer deal on the Burbank lot. So she's moving out of being a uh, t-shirt pusher into possible uh, production. Right. This is because she's had a close work uh, with uh, Clint Eastwood and Christopher Nolan and other top directors who used a lot on a uh, yeah. production basis. I was gonna say daily, but they don't shoot daily. Yeah, no. yeah, on a production, That'd be insane. on a project per project basis. Also, Blair Rich will head global theatrical and home entertainment marketing, and Ron Sanders will serve as president worldwide distribution at the studio, assuming responsibility for global theatrical distribution while remaining retaining his role as president of the home entertainment group. That all sounded probably like gibberish to most people. Just know that. People are moving around and they got some fresh blood. Right. Basically, you're going to see a lot new marketing and a lot lot new scheming in terms yeah. of Blu-ray sales and home video sales. And the, the way you get marketed stuff, not cur- not in theaters, but for home release. So, yeah, off the podcast, you mentioned that this was kind of interesting in your mind because, ha- well, specifically going back to the Hamada, Walter Hamada thing. Yes. Um, uh, that because he's used to dealing with lower budgets. Right. And what, what that will do to DC, uh, the DC films, which have notoriously been over-budgeted. Right, because DC puts out these big superhero tentpole films, they automatically, Warner Brothers at DC feels they automatically need a 200-plus budget yeah. attached to them. So do you think the future of DC films is small, or do you think that this won't actually make much of a difference? Because I'm kind of leaning towards the la- the latter. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. I think these superhero movies are always going to be like this, until they're not. Until something causes them not to be. Until they get a better pro- post-production? Mm, maybe. I'm talking either they partner with Weta or uh, Lights Illumination, or not, not ILM, because that's Disney. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, was it Storm? Um, oh, shoot. Light, light Storm. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And, and a special effects 
uh, CGI company that specializes in it and does great work. Because we've seen all, also that done, done what of with Warner Brothers. They yeah. should have moved that over to their DC projects now. Yeah. And then we'll see a seamless transition because right now you can totally tell when things are CG with DC movies. Oh, for sure. But with Marvel, even though you could tell, it's done so well so seamlessly that you're able to look past it. Whereas DC, it's basically blunt in your face. This is clearly green screen. So you're saying when Walter Ramada is hanging out with Matt Reeves on the set of The Batman, he should chat about wedding. Yeah. Because <laughs> Matt Reeves knows a thing or two about how to CG some apes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Our next story yep. is about a Warner Brothers star who's uh, been in a bunch of Warner Brothers movies. Uh, Mr. Mark Wahlberg. Mr. Wahlbergers himself. Yes. Not my favorite person in the world. He has some uh, shady history. Uh, but uh, the, 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 he's in the news lately. He may not be your favorite person anymore. Of the movie All the Money in the World. Yeah, so recently they had to do some reshoots. They did. And they did. Uh, in total, they turned out to be about $10 million. Sorry. Cost about $10 million worth of reshoots. So, yeah, so reshoots, uh, actors, you know, they're doing double time. So it's traditionally <laughs> the case that they get paid again for doing the reshoots. Uh, we have uh, comments. Yes. Uh, Weta is not PETA's lost no. brother. No, Weta is <laughs> is the uh, special effects artist behind yes. the Planet of the Apes uh, series and also Life of Pi. Probably most famously Smeagol and, and Lord of the Rings. And Lord of the Rings, yes. That was kind of the claim to fame there. Right. Their first big, big Yeah, game. Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings. Peter Jackson. They have, yeah, so Weta has a very strong uh, deal with Warner Brothers already in place. I just say that they need to use them more for their DC properties. Anyways. Anyways. So yeah, it's traditionally uh, the case that when uh, actors do reshoots, such as what Mark Wahlberg had to do um, on the, 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 the all, all the Money in the World, uh, that they are paid, again, basically for them. Uh, but there's no real set rule, as in my understanding, after doing some reading about this, how much they're paid. Right. It's up to pretty much the, the vibe, I guess, of the... the the financial people running this shop. Right. Not only that, but it's also up to the agents who normally negotiate this type of thing. Well, here's the bad news. It, well, the good news is is that the actors did get paid again. Yes. Here's the bad news. There was a huge discrepancy, and I mean huge. Yeah. Discrepancy when it came to how much each of the actors got paid, and it has to do with one thing in particular, and I'm going to have you guess after I say this discrepancy. Mark Wahlberg was paid $1.5 million for reshoot, for participating in these reshoots. Co-star Michelle Williams, who I, as I understand, outdoes Mark Wahlberg in every single way in that movie. Yes, uh, she actually got nominated, I yes. think, uh, recently at the Golden Globes for yes. her work. She was only paid $80 per diem. That totaled to be less than $1,000 yeah. for these reshoots. Now, what, are these, what, what do you think is the discrepancy here? I, I want to get your thoughts. About, about $1.5 million? I mean, <laughs> I mean, why do you think? Why? What, what would your reason be why the, the pay was so different? Oh, the pay is actually different because of when these shoots actually took place. That'd be my, my say, because yeah. these reshoots took place during Thanksgiving weekend, or the, the week of Thanksgiving, meaning that people had to be away from their families to do these reshoots. 
All right. Well, that's not what I was getting at at all. I think oh. you're trying to dodge my point. Okay. But yeah. here's the here's the breakdown of the facts. This is what we know. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so the reshoots took place over uh, Thanksgiving. All right. Because this followed the allegations against form, former lead Kevin Spacey, who of course was digitally replaced by Christopher Plummer at the last minute to make his Christmas release window for the movie. Right. Uh, but we do this. We already covered this. Right. We covered that. But this the, the dates, as you said, are important. Right. Anyways, earlier, the director, Ridley Scott, of course, told press that everyone, quote, did it for nothing, unquote, referring to him and Michelle Williams, foregoing a paycheck for the reshoots. Right. According to Ridley Scott. Right. I just want to put that in there. But the crew got paid. Which they should, because they're still working. This is not their fault for doing the reshoots. This is entering Kevin Spacey's fault for all this happening. But the fact that you had the director Ridley Scott and you're one of the stars, uh, Michelle Williams, basically foregoing a, what could have turned into a big chunk of money, a la Mark Wahlberg, yeah. it said, said that, well, we're doing this basically to spite Kevin Spacey, so we're going to do it for free. I feel like that's all open to interpretation. Oh, yeah. But uh, here's the next bit that uh, is, is part of this. So... Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams are both represented by the William Morris Endeavor Agency. That's their agency. Right. Uh, uh, the, the team of agents, of course, advocate for their salaries. They're, as you mentioned up top, they're kind of in charge, or at least they, 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 they establish the rates, typically. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Michelle Williams uh, was quoted to say that when Scott's team called to request her time for the reshoots, that she'd be there whenever they needed me, quote, and they could have my salary, they could have my holiday, whatever they wanted. So, the question now is, how upfront was Mark Wahlberg about all this? Because yeah. that's the missing part of this puzzle, right? Right. If Michelle Williams went into this, basically, and Ridley Scott both went into this, basically, like, hey, we're doing this for goodwill, we want this, we believe in this movie, mm-hmm. and we believe in this movie beyond Kevin Spacey. Right. Like, that, was, that would be fine, right? This wouldn't be a story. But the story now is Mark Wahlberg walked away with this thing uh, with another million dollars. Right. Well, here's the thing. that Before this story came out, uh, when they were doing reshoots, the original story there was the fact that they were doing this for free. That both Mark Wahlberg and a, a lot of the above-the-line crew was doing this for free. To do the reshoots for Christopher Plummer and to make this movie happen. But the fact that time. something changed in the middle of this is yeah. this weird part. And the fact that Mark Wahlberg is being weirdly silent about it is not helping. Well, not only that, but the fact that because they're from the same agency, that the agency did say, hey, well, one of our stars is getting this pay. Why don't the other star get the pay. So I am not a Hollywood star. I can't tell you right. how uh, agencies work. What I can tell you is that I don't think that it works like the way you're describing it right now, which is that the entire agency is aware of what each of their stars are doing. I think it's probably they have a team of people that are responsible oh, yeah. for those stars specifically. I don't know if it's the same team within could, the agency yeah. that controls both Wahlberg and Michelle Williams. I think those are probably two different teams. And I think that they probably don't communicate with each other. And so it's 100% just up to Mark Wahlberg's people to decide how much he gets paid and whether he gets paid at all and to make that negotiation happen with the studio. That negotiation probably happened at the studio separate from Michelle Williams' team. 
And that's probably why you see this discrepancy. Here's the other thing I'm going to throw out there, playing devil's advocate here. Um, Devil doesn't need no advocate. I know. Um, (laughs) Maybe Mark Wahlberg was in the middle of a shoot at that time, and they needed to pull him. I mean, it's possible, but I feel like that would have come out. I feel like if that was part of this story, like some reporter would have dug it up. You, well, then why hasn't Mark Wahlberg said anything? Because he knows better. <laughs> because if he said anything about this that isn't, I'm sorry and I'll give my some of my money back, then no one would ever want to hear from Mark Wahlberg for the next two months. No one would, like, everybody would, would hate him more than they already do. Like, Do I we think, hate Mark Wahlberg? I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I think all it is is creating a PR disaster for the studio, for the movie, and for the agency, if you ask well, me. Well, the studio, I mean, the movie's already a PR nightmare. Yeah, for other reasons. For other reasons. So, yeah, it's like, it's just such a, it's a lame story that shouldn't have been this way. You're right. right. It looked like everyone was, like, on the same page, and then Mark Wahlberg walks out with $1.5 million. Right, of the $10 million <laughs> for the reshoot. Yeah, and nobody can figure it out. So, yeah, I think that this is... This is dumb. Hopefully he'll say something about it, or the agency will say something about it, or Michelle Williams will uh, get in the agency's face about it or something. Right. Something will happen. We'll be following the story, so we'll let you know when it does. Yeah. All right, moving on. Yeah, we I got nothing. about that way too long. Yeah, I got nothing to add more to that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go to TV then. Yeah, we're going to get to television, and television, of course, starts with sports. And, man, there was a sports moment this weekend. Yes, one shining moment. Happened this weekend. So we had talked about it last week that this was going to be your big college football championship. Well, it happened. Alabama rolled tie, but not in the way that anybody thought they would. No, uh, Alabama struggled for through the first half. Yeah. By struggled, I mean they couldn't get anything going. No. They're st- they're getting running game going. They, I mean, it was ten zero halftime. I think. Oh no, thirteen zero. 13-0 halftime is just absolutely, like, everyone's like, yes, Alabama's losing. We're good with this. And then the second half happened. And the most shocking thing ever happened. Well, and that'd be uh, Alabama head coach Nick Saban pulled veteran court, or second-year starting quarterback Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. out of the game and put in Red sh- red shirt, true freshman. Okay, I want to see if I get old. this name right. Eighteen year old. I want to see if I get this name right. Okay, Tua Tagovailoa. Tago Tagovailoa. Tagovela. 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 Yes. Okay. Tua Tagovela. Yes. Tua Tagovela. Yes. Hey, hey, you are the opening Valley. of Moana. <laughs> yes, he's the opening of Moana. <laughs> All right, but yeah, so yeah, true freshman quarterback Tua goes in for the game. First series gets sacked on his ass, three and out. Second series drives down the field sixty yards for a touchdown. Drives him back down the field for another touchdown. The game ends up. Being tied twenty to twenty, end of uh, with three seconds left on the clock. Nick uh, Alabama lines up for a field goal. The guy misses it to the left. Overtime. Georgia gets the ball first. 
And they go and they get stopped. So they kick a field goal. 51-yard field goal. Hmm. But because it's college rules, the other team, Alabama, right. gets a chance at the ball. Right. So, first down, they get sacked. <laughs> so now it's second and 17. The very next play, he throws Tua throws a 40-yard touchdown pass for the win. <laughs> now, what makes this even crazier is that Tua is from the same high school. That's right. High school as current quarterback Marcus Mariota. And when they when he was a fret when Mariota was a senior, he was a freshman. And as Mariota was leaving, he was quoted as saying, This freshman guy's gonna be really good. Hmm. And what's also hilarious is that uh, the the quarterback on the opposite on Georgia's side, Baker May, uh, May, May, Mayfield? Not Mayfield, the other guy. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. He was originally supposed to go to Alabama. <laughs> but because he wouldn't start because of Jalen Hurts, he switched to Georgia. Hmm. And now this freshman... Gets the, gets the chance to be the winner. So overall, it was a crazy game. Uh, this is like the one game that Alabama like deserved to win and proved like everyone like Nick Saban's like the best coach in college ever. Jeez, yeah. Uh, this is his sixth national championship. Ties him for the record with the other Alabama coach, Bear, or Coach Bear, of like like nineteen forties or thirties oh, or something. Long time ago. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, your score at the end of that game was... Uh, 26-23 in a crazy game, overtime. Uh, Hands down, one of the best NCAA games. Way to go out on a high note. Well, you know what the the, the BCS has in common uh, with with, uh, the the Super Bowl in in comparison is that it's kind of like the big game, but not as big as the game that happens in about a month or so. Well, movies has an equivalent to that. The Golden Globes yes. are like the Oscars, but aren't the big game, it's because those happen a few few months later. Right, but this at least gives you a preview of what to look forward to. So yes, the Golden Globes, that was my segue. That, that was, was a really long, I was like wondering where you were going to go with that. I was like, yeah. how are you going to this back around the Golden Globes? I just am. I'm, I'm good at this. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, the Golden Globes aired on Sunday night. Golden Globes, of course, are the foreign press Awards. Yes, the Hollywood Foreign Press. Hollywood Foreign Press's awards for both movies and for television. Uh, So those happened Sunday night, hosted by none other than our man Seth Meyers. Yes. uh, Who did a bang-up job. Uh, But yeah, uh, overall, uh, a pretty surprising night. Uh, Kind of, uh, even when it came to what got awards, nothing really swept. Uh, It was all pretty democratized in a lot of ways that I didn't expect. Um, but yeah, our predictions and the winners are all on mediaboatpodcast.com. So check out our story about the Golden Globes for your update about who won and who, uh, who we thought was going to win and how wrong we were in most of the cases. Uh, yeah, there was about like an hour there where we just like slumped. Whiffed. Uh, a lot of it was a TV too though, so yeah. that's okay. But yeah, uh, some of the surprises included, uh, three billboards over, uh, over having Missouri, uh, which won, uh, Best Picture Drama. Yes, Best Picture Drama, also Best Actress for, uh, Frances McDormand. Yeah. And Best Supporting Actor 
for Sam Rockwell. But of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the thing that nobody can shut up about. And that, of course, is Tommy Wiseau running up on stage, <laughs> trying to grab the mic, and... <laughs> he thought it was for him. I know. No, but yeah, that, that was and, funny. And Jake, well, but just stiff-arming him right away, just boom. Denied. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that wasn't the thing we're talking about. Of course, the thing that people are talking about, especially on the news... Is the press thing. No, uh, no, no. Is Oprah. Oh, uh, yes. Everybody's talking about Oprah. Oprah made a, I will admit, a moving, uh, well-thought-out speech um, during her exception of the um, the Cecil B. DeMille Award, uh, which she was uh, given this, this, uh, this year. Which is, uh, yeah, a big deal. And she used that to talk about some uh, serious issues. And I think she did a really good job. What I didn't expect was for the story to coming out of this not be, oh, what a great speech, but Oprah should run for president, which is apparently now on everybody's minds. Which is funny, because right after I, she made the speech, I made the comment, okay, when's she running for president? You did say that. Like, I was like, I don't know. Well, okay, so yeah. Yeah. Let us be talk about the, that the better, but yeah, just know that Oprah made a moving speech and some people are misinterpreting it as political office. Uh, the possibility yeah, of this is not uh, Oprah gonna run for office. This is just her being Oprah because she's yeah. such a good speaker. She used her time, and I think it was a really, really good no, really, really good speech. Right. And I think people uh, are jumping to conclusions a bit. Uh, I don't know if the presidency should be the realm of celebrity for forever. I don't know exactly. <laughs> that's the greatest direction to go in. Yeah, but apparently, if Oprah does run for office yeah. in twenty twenty. And if she's elected, she promises to make all chocolate and wine be zero points on Weight Watchers. <laughs> it's a good joke. It's a good joke. Solid. Solid, Solid material. Uh, and of course, her, her running mate would be Gail. Would it? No. <laughs> would, it? would it? No, it'd be Ellen. Or Stedman. <laughs> the dudes that she's hanging out with. Uh, yeah. Who the hell is Stedman? Anyways. Anyways. So yeah, let's move on from that. But we have good news, uh, not about the Golden Globes. I mean, we can talk about a little bit if we want to talk about award season kind of going into this. What do you think has momentum now? Three Billboards probably has Three momentum. Three Billboards has the momentum, did. yes. Uh, I think the thing that has surprising momentum now is the other big surprise that was uh, the big shocker for me, which is Lady, Lady Bird. Bird. I think Lady Bird has a lot of momentum because it's only award. Yeah. Well, no, you know, it did win. Um, it won uh, best, best picture musical. Comedy. Musical, yeah, well, best musical out there by yes. far. It was a better musical than Greatest Showman. So, somehow, <laughs> I mean, it did, does have not once but twice uh, 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 "Crash Into You" by uh, 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 shoot Dave Matthews Band. Right. So, I mean, that's already better than the soundtrack of the Greatest Showman. I'm lying through my teeth. You still need to see Greatest Showman. I know at some point. And three, uh, apparently three billboards. But yeah, I think that Lady Bird and three billboards have now more moment- momentum than they did. I, th- I don't know if it's enough momentum. I think you'll see a directing uh, nomination from Greta Gerwig. I think you have to now because of the shitstorm now. Yeah. People are pissed. It's like, come on. Her, her movie won, like, best picture, like, the best comedy of the year. And she's not up for direction. Right, which which they did a good job of that. Of After they got the nomination, they Natalie said... Portman. 
killed with that little snide remark. Yeah, that yes. was my favorite bit of the entire night. Was just Natalie Portman presenting the award for best for, director. For which, yes, and she just goes, "Now here's the all male nominees." Yeah, yeah. Here are your five white directors. And then cut to every single director that was nominated, except for Steven Spielberg. Yeah, just looked like the most nervous person. <laughs> like, like, like uh, oh god. <laughs> Uh, I like what I do. I didn't know this was about. He felt super called out. Then Steven yeah. Spielberg just laughs. Yeah, because he I knows just, it's not about him. That's Spielberg. He's like, "Ah, Spielberg. I got nothing to worry about." Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think if Greta Gerwig does not get nominated in that category, I think that somebody messed up. Yeah. Um, so I, however, if she does get nominated, I think she'll take that spot away from uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah, I can see that. Because I, I can see that as an either-or. Yeah. Unfortunately, I want them both in that category. Unfortunately, you can't have both. With Del Toro and with Spielberg. Yeah, and, Spielberg, uh, Del Toro, um, Greta Gerwich. McDermott. McDermott for, for frickin' uh, uh, Three Billboards. Yeah, so that's four. Uh, God. Yeah, you're already, that's already a That's already category. four, and you got to pick a fifth. Which, which may go to um, Paul Thomas Anderson and Phantom Thread. Maybe. Since it's the Paul Thomas Anderson Award, basically. Yeah. Ah, uh, whatever. Well, we'll have more to talk about when it approaches uh, uh, Oscar season. We should have our noms by the end of the month. Yep. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. Nom, 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 nom. Moving on to other television, actual television news, not talking about movies on television. No. Uh, this one is dear, near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. Uh, no other than Yakko, Wacko, and Dot have found a home. Yes, so they were on Netflix for a while. So they, we're talking about the Animaniacs, for those of you who don't know. Yes. Who didn't grow up in the 90s like we did. Uh, but yes, the Animaniacs, uh, one of the 90s classic cartoons, um, is being rebooted, as we previously announced. But now it's found a home. Hulu has decided to pick up the program, and the reboot will start in 2020. Yep. Returning will be, of course, executive producer Steven Spielberg, who is spearheading the project. Yes. Uh, as well as his uh, Amblin uh, Studios. Right, because always... actually haven't been doing animation for the last 15 years. I want to put that in there. They've actually been gone from the animation scene for quite a long time. Yeah, well, then they do the... Uh... Oh, no, that's crazy. So Amblin got absorbed into DreamWorks Animation that's back in the late 90s yeah. when that was formed. Based Amblimation, as it was known, who did like We're Back, Dinosaur Story, right. who did Balto. They all got basically right, placed the into stuff. the DreamWorks team after that started. So since then, the DreamWorks stuff has gone all sorts of directions. Now, Universal owns DreamWorks Animation, which probably has maybe the remaining amount of people. Yeah. And the people who ended up at PDI, which was their original CGA studio before they did their own CG. Well, PDI just last week got shut down. Oh. I don't know if you know this. Like, they basically, not really shut down, but they basically are removing, like, taking that uh, uh, title away and basically just absorbing them into anime, uh, DreamWorks Animation Pro. Okay. So who knows what this Amblin anima Animation Studio even is at this point. <laughs> it could just be, like, whoever's left of Amblin Studios. <laughs> the janitor. Yeah. So who knows who's actually animating this thing. I'm sure we'll find that out later. But yes, uh, the reboot will be coming to Hulu. Mm -hmm. But not for another year. Uh, but uh, two the, years, twenty twenty. Yeah. But the only the, the and they've already ordered two seasons of it. Yep, that's the good part. The other cool thing about this is that it won't only just be uh, the Animaniacs. Animaniacs, as you may recall, is a sketch show at its heart, and it has other characters as well. And two of those classic characters are Pinky and the Brain, and they will also be returning in this reboot. That's been confirmed. Okay, so they yes. okay, so new 
There will Pinky be new shorts involving shorts. Pinky and the Brain in the reboot frame. Okay, but not in, but not new episodes for Pinky and the Brain. So Pinky yeah, too. Pinky and the Brain did end up having its own standalone series. Yes. But that was based, of course, on the shorts that were in Animaniacs. Right. They're going to bring back those characters for new shorts. Well, because if you have more release of watch, why not? Right? Why not, right? Of course, that brings us to the other pattern of this cool deal. Yeah. Which is what else they're bringing back in a retro style. Yeah, because Hulu now gets all this back catalog for not only Animaniacs, but everything else that Steven Spielberg presented. Not everything, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But yes, uh, Hulu now has access to the back catalog of not only Animaniacs, which uh, is no longer at Netflix. They took all 99 episodes of the original run of Animaniacs and put them now on Hulu. But they also got a couple of other things to sweeten the pot. Including the entire run of Pinky and the Brain. Yeah. Um, and the entire run of the spinoff series of Pinky and the Brain that was used by KizWDB to burn off extra episodes called Pinky Elmira and the Brain. Yeah. Uh, what I, uh, if you are at all confused by any of this and want to read a fascinating Wikipedia page, <laughs> go to the Pinky and the Brain Wikipedia page because there's a whole story about how KizWB, one, hated the fact that Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain had such adult audiences that loved them. And two, wanted to use studio intervention in every way possible to try to get more kids watching. Including adding characters when they weren't necessary, combining universes like they did with Elmira, and yeah, it was just a disaster. It led to something called the, oh god, I don't even remember the whole thing, Cat and Birdie Warnerini cartoon show, which is this weird super burn-off thing that they used to get rid of all their extra cartoons towards Uh. the end of 1999. It's super fascinating. Anyways, oh, yeah, and you can blame Pokemon for all of this. Anyways, <laughs> you actually can. Uh, then the final thing that they got out of this was um, uh, the entire run of Tiny Toon Adventures. Right. Which is also key because um, because that was something that kind of was lost in the TV vaults for a while. Now uh, people have access to that entire run, so that's uh, three seasons worth of stuff in there. Yeah, you're going through that, actually. I'm currently going through I was not as familiar with the Tiny Toons canon. So I'm going through that right now. Mostly holds up. Uh, there's some very 90s jokes in it, though. There's some really 90s references, and it's not... The, the, the consistency is weird, because they use, like, five different animation studios to produce the episodes. And so the consist, the, like the quality of the animation varies from episode to episode. Right. Okay, moving on. Oh, yeah, one real quick thing. One thing that got snubbed from... Or actually, there are two... I want to see if you can name the, these. There are two Spielberg-produced... Kids WB era shows that are not included in this deal. Name the two. Hysteria. Yes. You got the one I didn't think you would get. So the other one's easy. <laughs> one I don't remember. How do you not remember this one? Well, because it's like the same thing as Hysteria. No, it was not the same thing as Hysteria, but it has a similar sounding name, I guess you could say. What is it? Freakazoid. Oh, yeah. See, I was never a fan of Freakazoid. I love Freakazoid. My dad I was never I a fan Freakazoid. of Freakazoid. So, yes, Freakazoid and Hysteria are the ones that are missing from this list. I could do without Hysteria. The thing sucked. But Freakazoid is good. I found out that you can get both seasons, yes, only two seasons of Freakazoid that aired um, on DVD for just 35 bucks on Amazon. Oh. So, check that but out. But it's DVD. Yeah, but it is a DVD. Yes. Anyways. Anyways, moving let's on. Let's finally move on to... Um, some other zany adventures. Well, not really a zany, because this is a real person, and he hasn't been very zany lately. Right. Welcome to the world of Louis C.K. Yes, uh, FX's disowned 
Louis C.K. Right. Um, so has... we're gonna. So I've been putting this thing off for a while now of actually talking about uh, FX and Louis C.K. But because we actually have have a finality of this whole debacle, we're gonna uh, bring it up now. Not really. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so the story here is that FX has concluded uh, its internal investigation that they had done after that the accusations of Louis C.K. kind of got out. Right. And they said they were going to have a full investigation of whether anything happened on the sets of the of the uh, shows that were produced by FX Studios. That is what this like encompassed. Right. So the the internal investigation is over, and they have found no issues or incidents at the network. This was reported by the CEO of FX, John Landgraf. So FX already, of course, ended its business relationship with Louis C.K. There's no picking that back up. And after he acknowledged that the after he acknowledged that there was sexual misconduct, and he, you know, made that report slash weird apology in quotes that I won't call it an apology. Yeah. Uh, at the time, the FX said that they would conduct a further investigation to any of the five shows. That Louis produced for FX, but as concluded, no issues, complaints, or incidents of misconduct of any kind in the entire eight years of their runs. But that doesn't, of course, say that he didn't do anything. There's only so much an investigation can do. Right. This is basically saying, how an investigation, we couldn't find anything. They did their due diligence. Right. Which is what matters here. And I'm glad they did, because there's a, there's a lot of situations where, they, where studios like this don't. But yeah, uh... In no way is this over, because obviously it's going to be still very, very hard for Louis C.K. to get any more work. Right. Uh, he recently had his animated show for TBS canceled yes. as a part of this, too. Correct. So, yeah, this is just FX kind of cleaning up the the, re- the leftovers that were kind of remaining from this mm-hmm. story. All right, moving on yep. to uh, one of our favorites, Alex Trebek. Yes. So Alex has been in the news lately for uh, uh, getting surgery. It's a Jeopardy. Uh, so of course he is the host of Jeopardy. Jeopardy has been uh, being put on a brief hiatus uh, following uh, Alex Trebek's surgery, and, ha- and he needs some uh, recovery time. Yeah, he's to recuperate, which everybody. He's does. kind of old. He's seventy-seven years old. That's also true, but uh, everybody needs some uh, recuperation time. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the, it was following uh, co- complications from hitting his head in a fall that happened in October. Uh, the surgery was a success. Trebek is expected to make a full and complete recovery. No worries about having to replace him. Don't worry, guys. Even though he's said that he's looking for a replacement uh, at some point. Well, uh, who the, knows when. It won't be till after his contract expires. Which is renewed till 2020 uh, as of May last year. Yes. Because the show is filmed months in advance, as we know, his broadcast schedule will not be affected. But the upcoming college championship, which was supposed to be taping now, we'll instead film in March and then air the month after. So right. So normally this won't they, affect you, Jeopardy. Right. Normally they film it but. now and then it won't. And then they'll air it during the month of March. But because they always film such all these episodes in advance, they're able to say, "Hey, we have X amount of episodes. We can move to the front end and then do the tournament at the back end." Yeah. So cool. Um, yeah. I'm glad that this won't affect uh, anything about uh, actually seeing Jeopardy. I'm glad Alex is doing good and better than ever, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, that being said, he did reduce his contract until 2020. Yeah. So uh, there's really no reason why they should get rid of Jeopardy at any point. Uh, Ken Jennings 2021. Yeah. I want to see it happen. <laughs> Ken Jennings should be the host of that show. Ken Jennings the new host? Ah, uh, he should. I really want him to be. Not Austin? No. Just God, a, no. Just, just bad-mouthing No. Be the worst. 
All right, moving into our you cancellations. You just laugh at every wrong answer. <laughs> no. Yeah, it'd be the worst. Cancellations and renewals. All right. Yep. Moving in out of the music, uh, television news and into cancellations and renewals. Where we talk about things that have been renewed or given the axe. First, The Circus gets renewed for a third season at Showtime. The Fosters canceled on Freeform. But don't worry, Fosters fans, because there's a good news. There's good news about this universe. The Fosters may have been canceled, but there is a spinoff in the works at the free, at Freeform involving right. two of the characters. You don't have this written down, but I saw this. This was today. Almost wrote a story about it. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't because who cares about the Fosters? Right. So yeah, so don't worry. Uh, the Fosters proper is going away, but if you like that universe, there will be a spinoff show. Fosters, by the way, ran for five seasons. The the Gifted uh, gets a second season over at Fox. Yep. That's that X-Men show. Right, where they finally used the word mutant. The Mayor over at ABC mysteriously pulls has been pulled from the schedule. Unfortunately, uh, I like that show. That was a good show. It's just solid. By the way, did you know that that is a reboot? That is a reboot. Did you know that? I believe I remember that when they first announced Because I had no idea until I was listening to a podcast recently where they were talking about television shows in 1986. <laughs> and there was a show called some like similar similarly titled like Mr. Mayor or something like that. Okay. And apparently it was the exact same premise as this show down to the fact that he raps. Oh, okay. No, so I this know is that. actually a reboot of the same premise but done in modern in a modern way. Okay. So, but I didn't know that. So yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that what I've seen that the show seems as very it's a competent sitcom. It's good. None of the jokes are like bad. It's not badly written. It just doesn't have it's just not amazing. It's not like anything that like you would, would rave about your to your friends. Right. It it's it's job, no good doctor. It does its job well. It's no good doctor where yeah. everyone's talking about it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's well made and the topics they go are yeah. are on point. It's the kind of well made solid sitcom that ABC specializes now. Yeah. So ABC right now specializes in solid sitcoms that nobody's like super agog about. It's but what, nobody hates. It's why Blackish gets always dominated but never, never wins. Never wins, exactly. <laughs> it's a solid show. It's a solid, solid show. Uh, Fargo is done, at least so far. Uh, after four seasons on FX, it will be canceled. But that doesn't, of course, leave room down the line for them to change their minds. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Because it is two FX. Two or three years. It's an anthology series, so it's really easy to return to whenever they want. Yeah. So... See, as this is probably more of a hiatus for Fargo, and we'll probably see it again. Um, Young Sheldon gets a second season at CBS, in case you didn't think it would, because of course it will. But big surprise, The Gong Show, the reboot that had the fake Mike Myers character, gets a second season at ABC. Yes, and uh, fake Mike Myers will be returning to host. There you go. Also returning for an inexplicable second season is Floribama Shore on MTV. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're going to go rock that place like a hurricane. Future Man on Hulu gets a second season. Marvel's Runaways on Hulu also gets a second season. Fox's new plane-based sitcom, L.A. to Vegas, extends its debut by three more episodes, but has not been properly renewed. Right. They just want, they just want a little bit more to see how people will react. And lastly, Hulu's Chance canceled after two seasons. Yeah. Alright. Alright, Dust, we have uh, Jerry Van Dyke, uh, brother of Dick Van Dyke. Oh. Uh, 
86, which, Aww. of course, reminds everyone that Dick Van Dyke is still alive. Dick Van Dyke, Vic Van Dyke. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. Yes, yeah, yeah, so yes, alive. yes. Mr. Vic. Or, yes, Mr. Dick. Mr. Dick. I believe that's the only big one that okay. happened. Um, we can move on. Yeah, I don't remember anything else. I don't. Remember, I know that he was one that died. I don't think that was it. Okay, then let's move on to, to music. Music and Billboard. We start music with the Billboard charts, which of course is your highest charting releases of the week. Your Hot 100 in singles land is number one is still Perfect by Ed Sheeran, which specifically they duet with Beyonce. Moving back up to number two, Havana by Camila Cabello featuring Young Thug. Moving down one, Rockstar by Post Malone featuring 21 Savage at number three. Number four, Thunder by Imagine Dragons. Hey, I'm back up. And number five, No Limit by G-Eazy featuring ASAP Rocky and Cardi B. Moving into your albums list, which is your Billboard top, hot, uh, your, this site broken. So, your albums list. Your albums list. Your Billboard 200. Let's load this up. Your number one, you'll be happy, moving up to number one, thanks to award show hype. Is it The, the Greatest, greatest showman? showman? The Greatest Showman soundtrack hits number one this week on the charts. Followed, you're, you're welcome, by the way, by, everyone. By Divide by Ed Sheeran, <laughs> who hangs on to number two again. Number three, Reputation by Taylor Swift. Number four, The Beautiful and the Damned by g Easy. And number five, moving back into the top five, Damn by Kendrick Lamar. Damn. Damn. That does it for the Billboard charts. So let's uh, go on to music news then. Well, we have some upcoming records. Uh, If you're in the business of buying music, here's your new releases for the week. Black Rebel Motorcycle Club brings you Wrong Creatures. Black Veil Brides with Veil, Camila Cabello with Camila, Joe Satriani with What Happens Next, and Umphreys McGee with It's Not Us. If this sounds familiar, that's because last week nothing came out. And last week, we talked about this week's releases. Yep. So those are the releases for this week. This is the second week we're reminding you. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't realize that last week it said Had no releases. for this week. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. I did a double take when I was doing new releases. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's There's nothing on this list. I was, oh, I was looking. I was like, wait. I'm pretty sure we did all this last week. As we did. Yes. Those are this week's releases, so get ready. Right. I just meant that there was nothing last week. So just regarding last week's... Also, if you were listening to us from last week, thanks for coming back. <laughs> From weird trends that we have to weird trends that the music industry has. Yeah. One that may be not so great for its creators. Mixtapes. You've heard the term. Yes. uh, Usually a bunch of rappers put out what's called, what they call mixtapes. On uh, Chance the Rapper's coloring book. Yes. uh, He said that he thought that he was the only one who still cares about a mixtape. Well. (laughs) Turns out that he's not the only one who cares about a mixtape. In fact, record labels have decided to start using the term mixtape to describe things that should probably just be albums. A number of producers have called out major record labels for calling full-length albums, quote, mixtapes, unquote, so they can avoid paying producers fairly. Labels like Atlanta Records will take an LP and label it a, quote, street album, unquote, or compilation album to avoid paying producers their full rate. Producers like Rook... Benny Cassette, DJ Burn One, and Sunny Digital have all come forward to say that this is a common practice that must be stopped. 
what's a ex- great example of this is when Drake released More Life. He referred to that as a playlist yeah. instead of an album. But yes, it's not the only time, only place that this is done. I also I appreciate how your uh, your image for this is the awesome mix. Yes, <laughs> it's a mixtape. That is a mixtape. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is uh, as we're going kind of into the streaming era. This is becoming more and more common with like labels or artists trying to figure out like ways to differentiate their things from albums because the word album is kind of a dirty word still. Well, also with the word album, it's something that's official and you get paid more for yeah. it. It's something that like the big boys put out, but if you're like either a smaller producer or it's you're like, an oh, unknown this artist, isn't an album. and and like the well, the way I see it is that if if the music company doesn't believe that it'll sell sell well or turn a profit, yeah, they'll undercut it by using these these keywords. In order to try and, like, say, okay, we'll give you some money, but not all of it. Right. Speaking of somebody who has some of the money, Lana Del Rey. She's uh, semi-popular. Yeah, uh, she had an album come out last year. She did. Uh, I, I think I described her in my um, uh, uh, story that went up this week as uh, a lab experiment to create a human personification of Coachella gone either horribly wrong or horribly right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, depending on who you are, uh, Lana Del Rey has been in the news lately because um, she's trying to get ahead of some pros- possible litigation. She recently tweeted that Radiohead was going to sue her for her song "Get Free" off of the last album "Lust for Life" over similarities between it and Radiohead's hit "Creep." Yeah. Yeah. She stated then after that, during a concert, the suit would result in the song possibly, she didn't say for sure or not, having to be removed from the set list of Lust for Life and from her live performances. Right. Uh, Basically, should this thing go to court and they have to either take it off the album because they don't want to pay or... Well, she's saying that even beforehand in order to avoid going to court okay. or avoid litigation that she is willing to remove it and she was warning her fans that that was a possibility oh okay and that was the vibe I got is that she was the whole thing about this is that she is she wants to talk about being pursued so that way she doesn't actually get sued okay it's like I said I think she, this is her like defensive action being like no 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 I understand and I'll do what I need to do kind of thing on the flip side of this Radiohead's publisher Warner Chapel Music has denied the existence of a lawsuit at all, and that they've been in discussions since August of last year with Ray's representatives. They also said they've requested that, quote, musical elements be acknowledged in favor of all writers of Creep. They wanted to set the record straight, straight, pun intended. No lawsuit has been issued, and that Radiohead have not said they will only accept 100% of the publishing of Get Free. So they want to make it clear that there is no actual legal, legal like, suit right. happening here. Radiohead themselves have said there is no legal battle nothing going on but that doesn't mean that their label has been in talks so yeah it seems like people are possibly in talks with Lana Del Rey's people and that may be what she heard like her agent called her up one day is like just to let you know we've been talking to the people at Radiohead they're concerned that your song sounds like their song she probably just took that as oh man I gotta I gotta get in front of this I gotta start talking about this to my fans oh wow sports everybody's back um, yep. Yeah, it's like I think it's smart on her side because this never happens. Oh no! No one ever like goes and said like, "Yeah, 
This is a thing. I admit it. I'm aware. Let's do something about it, which is cool. Right. So, yeah, uh, I think the probably worst case scenario here is that she just has to remove that song from the album, and I don't think that would be that big of a deal. Probably. Or just or, uh, uh, write in um, uh, the, the, the so just, authors of the song into the, the credits, which is yeah. probably not that hard to do either. She would have to work with the music publisher, her music publisher to do that. Right. The fact that they just want credit and not, like, yeah. going to to court over saying, hey, you basically ripped us off. Right. That's good. It is good. It's kind and, of a and, win-win. Yes. No one needs to spend more money than they need to. Right. It's also each way's person, each, each, it's Radiohead's way of saying, like, we notice similarities, but instead of going through all these legal channels, yeah. we're just going to give you a way out right now. Yeah. Moving on to somebody who uh, could have used a way out on her way down to the ground. Terry Underwood. Uh, why? Terry Underwood is why? in the news. I need a segue, that's why. Carrie uh, Underwood is in the news. Uh, she has revealed to her fan club and to the public as, uh, as, as a whole, I guess, uh, on Monday that she is recovering from needing 40 to 50 stitches on her face. Yeah. After a big November fall she took. She took a big spill. Uh, November 10th, when she was treated for a broken wrist and cuts, which forced her to pull out of the Country Rising Benefit concert that happened back then. However, she had not revealed the extent of her injuries until now. Here's the quote. She said, In addition to breaking my wrist, I somehow managed to injure my face, as well, which the doctor told my husband, that he had put between 40 to 50 stitches in. She also wrote that, I want you to all understand why I might look a little different. Yeah, of uh, her latest Instagram post uh, to her fans was her in a wrapped up uh, snow scarf, calling herself a snow ninja. <laughs> but it was also hiding on her face. Yeah. And just showing her smoky Not quite eye look. ready to show her new face. I mean, I don't think, I think she may be exaggerating a bit. I don't think it's probably going to be as bad as some people are probably imagining. Yeah, but again, 40 to 50 stitches is a lot. It is. And that will take a lot, long time to heal. Properly, so yeah. Uh, I hope she. Uh, of course, we both. Uh, I'm sure hope uh, hope that she heals well, and that she's back to being Carrie Underwood. Because who doesn't like Carrie Underwood? I was going to raise my hand, but no, you. Yes, yeah. true. Yeah, who doesn't like her? Oh God, Maybe her ex boyfriend. You know, the one she yeah. took. She like beat up the truck with. Moving on to the next story, I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about here. Uh, can you briefly describe to me what AEG is? Because you do not break it down uh, here. Uh, the very end I do. Do you? Yeah. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah, okay. AEG is a entertainment conglomerate. Uh, they have a hand in a lot of live performances. Uh, they own majority of the LA Lakers. Uh, I think the Kings as well. I think they own Staples Center for us over here. And they have their hand in a lot of Live performance acts around the around the U.S. So, AEG is unfortunately in the news this week for the, uh, the revelation, I guess, that the people who run it are terrible. More, more so, the <laughs> CEO of AEG is a terrible person. So let's break it down. So first, you have the owner. You actually have two different people here, who are both bad. Okay. <laughs> But the first of the two, Phil Anschutz. Anschutz? Anschutz. Anschutz. Is, he's actually the A in AEG. <laughs> Owner of AEG has been smartly spending his money 
supporting anti-LGBTQ, anti-climate change organizations contributing to the, quote, Institute for American Values. <laughs> oh, I see. Whose owner, so the owner yes. of the Institute of American Values. Yes. Is the other guy. Opposes same-sex marriage and testify in the trial of the constitutionality of California's ban on same-sex marriage. A.K.A. Prop 8. 8 in 2010. And shits. And shits. Yes. 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 And shits. Andy shits has also contributed to the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. That would be employees opposing compulsory unions. Americans for Prosperities. A lobby against global warming science. And he sues the IRS, at least he has sued the IRS, at least seven times since 1987 to get out of paying taxes, now, which he has lost. Right, and uh, before he, <laughs> he started AEG, he was an oil baron, okay. which got his, all his money from oil. So lousy, 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 lousy. So uh, keep this in mind next time you go to a Lakers game. <laughs> uh, not only that, but AEG is also the... Head sponsor for a rather left-wing um, propaganda festival <laughs> known as uh, Coachella. Yeah, well, we all <laughs> knew that already. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Uh, Coachella's not great. Uh, just keep in mind, do some research about where your money's going, uh, where they get, where these guys spend their money. But yeah, AEG's got some money in some bad places because of this guy, so uh, just keep that in mind when you spend your... Hundreds of dollars on your tickets to whether it be a sporting event or a music festival. Yep. All right. Let's move in to something else that is a, a very, very poor spend, uh, expenditure of money, which is the new Justin Timberlake single. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I put that in here. So since uh, we uh, uh, talked last week, uh, we, we talked about how Justin Timberlake announced his new album, Man of the Woods. Yes, Man of the Woods, not Man in the Woods. No, Man in the in the Woods would be a really cool crossover with that video game, Night in the Woods. But oh. <laughs> Man of the Woods. Is also the Cabin Justin, in the Woods. Yeah, the Justin Timberlake album. And his first single has been released off the album called Filthy. 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 Not the clean version. No, it's definitely not the clean version, <laughs> as he repeats. Yes. Filthy. It's called Filthy. Say no clean version. And, man, I think that's an apt name for that song. Whether you like it or not, I think you could agree that it is an apt name for that song. Because that, I guess you could call it a beat. The weird robot going through a black hole noise that repeats throughout that song is filthy. I will give it that. It is a filthy noise. But you either, from what I understand about like people who have heard this thing... You either love it or hate it. Which is funny you say that, because I'm on the fan side that loves it. You're coming around on it? Yes. I remember when you told me, you were like, it's bad, but you were, you made the argument which everybody on the internet is making, which is, when everybody heard Sexy Back for the first time, we thought it was bad. Yeah. And then people came around on it. Yeah, because when I first heard Sexy Back, it took me about six or seven months to realize that was just a Timberlake singing, and not, in fact, a girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think that this but, is yeah. objectively a worse song than Sexy Back. I think this is Justin Timberlake trying to do Sexy Back, but Timbaland talked him into using a beat that no one else wanted. This but is that's this, this is my like this is my version of probably what went down. Because I think there's there's some pieces of a good song. I think the chorus is actually fine. Oh yeah, the chorus is good. The I... chorus is fine, but it needs to be in a better song. It goes 
It also sounds like it's trying to like be the first song in a concert. Yeah. Where it comes out, it tries to build you up and pump you up. And then it, it starts out as one thing, and then it comes it becomes a second thing. Yeah. Which is one of the problems with some of the uh, material on uh, the 2020 experience and 2020 experience part two. Yes. Which is that he felt like all his songs had to be epics now, and they had to be like all like six minute long like sweets. Yeah. And I think yeah. this suffers from the same problem, where it's kind of two songs in one, and I wish it was only one of them. Right. It's it straddles the line between futuristic pop and old um, techno garbage. Yeah. I have no idea what he was trying to go for, but I didn't like it at all. Uh, what do you think about the video, though, that accompanied this? That was also weird. So I saw the video first. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was weird. I thought it was... He's basically Steve Jobs. Yes. But he's like... Showing up a robot, and yeah. the robot is a dancer, and that's the entire thing. And the then robot he does. becomes the robot. Yeah, like at the end, it's like assumed that his soul is being absorbed into the robot, or like he's not necessary anymore. Yeah. So he just poofs, and the robot like takes his place or something. I don't know. It was weird. I mean, if that was if that's actually the case for this song, is that he Justin Timberlake left to let a robot write it? Basic, then it makes a lot of sense. Basically, <laughs> I think the internet theory on the whole on the music video is that. Because the robot starts, like, attached and starts doing basic movement and then goes into a weird, uh, advanced pop-and-lock dance routine <laughs> that it's just a typical way of saying, here's what you think it's going to be, but it's a lot more and a lot advanced than what you're probably used to. Uh-huh. So you may not understand it at first, but you'll come around to it. I hate that because that plays into the same, like, narrative of, like, oh, everybody's going to turn around on this thing in six months. No. I'm I'm stating this on a recording right now, January tenth, twenty six seven. That twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. January tenth, twenty eighteen. I am stating no one will like filthy any more than they do now in six months from now. I will actually hold you to that. Yes, hold me to that. I will hold filthy you. Filthy is that. a bad song. People will forget it. Filthy will be all over the radio. It is a good. It is a good pop song. I hope it's what we want. For Justin's sake, is that this is not the single that rides him into the Super Bowl. I'm hoping there's another single off this album that is better. For his sake. That's all I'm saying. I feel like it can only get better from here. Like, remember how it was Suit and Tie and then everybody forgot about Suit and Tie when Mirrors became the big smash? Yeah. Same deal. Not that Suit and Tie. I think Suit and Tie is a better song than this. <laughs> just to be clear. And I think Mirrors is a better song than this. And Mirrors is kind of crappy. So <laughs> What? Yes, Mirrors is kind of a crappy song. It's oh. a terrible, terrible, terrible chorus. Oh. And a, the message is awful. Oh. Suit and Tie is a better song than Mirrors. Oh. 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 Anyways, moving on. We hey. have to move on out yeah. of music. So let's move on to video games. Video games. First wait, wait, so, so what's, what's our consensus on Filthy? I don't like it. I like it. Well, that's our consensus. Thing. Okay. There is no consensus. <laughs> well, we got to video games. We got to video games. We have our new releases for the week. Oh, I got to do for new releases, too. Cool. <laughs> Planet Base for PS4. Space Hulk Ascension for Xbox One. Flying Tigers Shadows Over China for Xbox One. The Escapists 2 for Switch. Super Meat Boy switch yep that's finally arriving for you all you switch players and something called brawl not to be confused with super smash brothers brawl yes which is not this game for switch right 
Okay, moving into the video game. Uh, Doctor loves mirrors, and you're wrong. I'm not wrong. Guilty <laughs> is a bad song, and no one will like it. But mirrors is a good song. Mirrors is not. Eh. All right, so let's move on. <laughs> Well, the biggest uh, story this week in video game news was about VR. Yeah, so CES is this week. CES, of course, is the Consumer Electronics Show, which doesn't really usually have that much video game news. But in this case, it's video game tangential news because VR happens to be full of video games. Yes. So one of the big players in VR is HTC with their Vive. Yes, welcome back, our VR lady. <laughs> yes, our VR lady, our fav- my favorite graphic that we use on the show. <laughs> Oh, the, the, this lady's way into her VR headset. Uh, but yes, uh, the, uh, the HTC Vive is getting a new edition. The HTC, HTC Vive Pro. Yes. The new hardware upgrade delivers premium VR experiences to consumers. This sounds like this is written by a robot. Good. Enterprises <laughs> with the introduction of Vive Pro and Vive Wireless Adapter. Uh, so I'm going to cut through this. Weird business EBS that we are down here and talk about what this actual thing is. Okay. So the screens are better. Yes, um, it is a five times uh, yeah. increase in uh, resolution. Um, it has an added uh, audio peripherals and it's wireless, which was a big deal. So yeah, these two things were kind of they were announced in parallel, but are should kind of be talked about as two different things. Yes. Because, yeah, the Pro will eventually replace the current Vive on the market, but they will coexist for a little bit. Right. And for, they've... Uh, people who want to buy the lower-end one that's going to be a little cheaper. Right. Uh, but, but, yeah. The, 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 yes, the actual wireless adapter is a separate product. So, yeah, the wireless adapter is a big deal because previously the Vive has to be uh, connected, tethered completely to a, uh, a PC the entire time you're using it which is the same thing as the Oculus Rift. They have to be uh, both USB and HDMI connected to work. This removes that um, and will allow you to use it wirelessly within limitations. They did mention that it probably won't go through more than like two walls. So don't think you can have your PC in your bedroom and use your headset in the living room. Probably not the case. Um, this basically just does, means that you won't trip on the cord when you walk around. Yes. Does the uh, the PlayStation VR wireless? No. No, that one is also plugged in. All of them are plugged in. Right. So that's what makes this thing like newsworthy, that it's completely wireless. So the worry here and why it's taken so long for us to get here is lag. Lag is a killer when it comes to VR because if and you have any, any game, lag actually. at all in VR, it can throw off what you're seeing in the headset, and because of the immersion, it could throw off your own like body's equilibrium, and you could feel really motion sick. So people have been avoiding things that would cause more lag, including wireless adapters. Mm-hmm. So the catch here is this: is the technology to a point where it is a lag-free experience? We'll find out. Right. Okay, so that was the big uh, news from CES. No current price point or release date for either of these things yet, but they should probably be out by the end of this year. Yeah, most stuff uh, announced during CES this year, unless they say prototype or in development, uh, is most likely going to come out sometime in 2018. Yeah. Moving on from CES to a, uh, a consumer event that's been happening for a long time on the internet, uh, crowdfunding services. Yes, Kickstarter. Star Citizen. So Star Citizen, if you know anything about the history of Kickstarter, 
is one of Kickstarter's weirdest success stories. And also the craziest video game related Kickstarter <laughs> that has ever existed. For the second year in a row, this thing has topped charts and not in the way that you would think. Right. Top the Kickstarter charts. More money than every other video game on the Kickstarter platform combined. Yes. How much money, you ask? How much money? In 2017, it raised $34.9 million. You know how much all of the other video games raised on Kickstarter in 2017? 17, 17 million. Not even half. Right. Which means that two-thirds of all video game Kickstarter funding went to this one game. So Star Citizen is technically kind of two games, to be fair. Um, it's a combination of a single-player star, like a, like starship shooter game uh, called Squadron 42 and a multiplayer uh, module that's kind of become its own game called the persistent universe not actually the name of it yet but they will presumably come with a, both a name yes later uh that is separate both are incomplete and currently have no release date yes however this thing still gets funded yes all the money pledged to video game products in 2016 by the way 85 to 88 percent of it went to successful campaigns so it's proved that most of this money does go to actual video games that actually happen. Right. Now, Star Citizen has been in the cooker so long, it's getting to the point where where is all this money going and is it going to the game at all? Right, because we have had several stories where people do Kickstarters and then take that money and don't deliver a product so, because they're yeah. not bound to actually give a product. Yeah. That's the thing about uh, Kickstarters and GoFundMes and crowdfunding in general is that Technically, they're not bound to deliver a product to their customers. Right. There's no guarantee required. Right. Which is, makes it kind of a, a legal gray area for them. But yeah, it's interesting nonetheless. Um, I have no idea what Star Citizen actually will be when it finally releases, yeah. but uh, it'll be really interesting to see it. Yep. Moving, moving on. on to our next story. It's uh, player... It has to do with, yes, none other than Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, but specifically it the Xbox One release of the game, and specifically advertisement. Yes. That was for the game. So, Microsoft has now pulled an advertisement for PUBG after a fan complained that they had copied their art. A Reddit user noted that they had created and posted a concept advertisement. And there's a reason I don't put the Reddit username because it's uh, yeah. filthy. Oh, yeah, let's not talk about those. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, uh, they had created and posted a concept advertisement online two months earlier, which had gotten 63,000 views. Microsoft has since responded by pulling the official ad and got in touch with the user. It's likely they outsourced the ad campaign and only noticed it after the user complained, and that the post reaching the front page of Reddit uh, was what tipped them off. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft's looking at penalties to the ad agency. So this happens a lot when uh, companies don't have complete control of their marketing team. Uh, whether especially when it's at an outside agency, mm -hmm. and so they probably just need to like give them a call and be like, "Hey, uh, was this a thing? Did you like borrow somebody's art? Like, you know, that's a no-no, right?" Or did you see this somewhere, had in the back of your mind, and then did something similar? Did something about thinking about it? Yeah, like unconsciously did the exact same thing. 
Either way, I hope the agency, if they but, were at fault, uh, uh, admits their fault and maybe uh, uh, gives some sort of compensation to the person they ripped off. Yeah, uh, because looking at the two images uh, online, they, they they're, they're, they're very similar. I bet. Moving yeah, on so to yeah. our final story. And we're going to end this week on a yeah, high note. Finally. Yay, high notes. And one of our favorite things is happening this week yes. as we speak. That I'm, yeah, I'm shocked we forgot was on. Oh, no, no, no. I remember it was on. I just remember that there was nothing good on. Oh, right. Or nothing I wanted to watch. Later. Yeah, uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow awesome night. Awesome games done quick, which of course is Twitch's celebration of speedrunning. Yep. Is all week this week. Oh my god, it's Mario Sunshine is on right now. We have to watch that. Where is it? Right? Down. Middle. Oh, there it is. Uh, but yeah, so if you're not familiar, we've talked about this last summer when it was Summer Games Done Quick. But basically, speedrunners are people who play video games really, really, really fast to get new world records and how fast they can go. Yes, this is... Uh, they, a lot of these gamers get together twice a year to raise money. Uh, this one is for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. So yeah, long story short, uh, they're happen- it's happening all week. Right now, they're doing a run of Super Mario Sunshine... The Japanese version, clearly, because it's Shine Get. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's a lot of fun to watch people like break games in the most creative ways possible. It's a real show of talent on the uh, on these people's uh, part. It's really fun to watch. So if you like video games at all, check out twitch.tv, search Games Done Quick, and you'll find it. Right. And it's for a good cause. So if you want to donate, you can even possibly win prizes that they uh, they put up in pots. Uh, that are in drawings, so you could even win something while helping out the good cause. Yep, so I, th- I think yes. Uh, for anybody who does donate, their name automatically gets put in the big drawing. Yeah, which uh, is a Nintendo Switch. Uh, with uh, I think it's the Mar- uh, Mario version of the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, but currently their total is at five hundred and seventy-six thousand dollars. Uh, so basically halfway to a million. Uh, a lot of their big uh, stuff comes at the very end, the last day, which is Saturday. Uh, it's the last day for uh, that they do these uh, runs, and that's where they they usually end up gaining about five hundred thousand dollars in that day alone. Uh, yeah, typically reaching about half a uh, one point five million dollars to the Prevent Cancer Foundation, or during the summer to the Doctors Without Borders Foundation. So yeah, it's awesome. As the name implies, so check that out if you like video games and you watch watching them uh, get beaten really in awesome ways. Right, and the best part is that they walk you through it. There's people yeah. on the couch telling you exactly what's content, exactly what's happening, what gets done, why they choose specific languages, which I guess is the theme. Yes, for this one. <laughs> our favorite new fact is that speedrunners choose languages in their games because some are faster than others. Yes, apparently Maybe. Italian is the fast language. Who knew? Yeah. All right, so that'll do it for the Media Boat Podcast. Yes. We'll be back next week to talk about even more. But in the meantime, if you want, if you didn't have enough more enough of us already, you can find our website, mediaboatpodcast.com, where we have all our news stories going up daily. Woo. Features, including Graphics. box office numbers. Uh, <laughs> just threw me off. Uh, box office <laughs> numbers, uh, uh, new releases every Friday, and, of course, a podcast post so you can catch up with podcasts if you miss them. Uh, You can also see our thoughts about new releases there uh, as they come out and as we absorb them. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter at at MediaBoatCast. We're on Facebook. If you search MediaBoatPodcast, you can like and comment on our page. You can find us on YouTube where we stream every Wednesday night 
just search our YouTube channel for our YouTube channel by searching Media Boat Podcast there. You can find our uh, uh, us on uh, Twitch.tv when we stream video games. Sometime later this week, we will be ser- twi- uh, uh, starting streaming some uh, near Automata. Which I am supposed to be getting in the mail this week, so I will be playing some of that. Oh yeah, um, I forgot to stream um, my my franchise playthrough yeah. of Madden. Uh, don't worry, when, we'll return to it. Yeah, we'll return to it uh, when the Super Bowl actually gets back around to it. Yeah, uh, we'll have that. Uh, by the way, I did end up winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, you did. Well, with the LA Rams. Nice. Of course, those are the Too fancy bad it's not going to happen in real life. I know. <laughs> uh, so uh, then we also have uh, uh, b- 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 Patreon.com if you want to help us out with money. Holy crap, that almost expired. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can help us out with at least uh, as little as a dollar every, uh, a little as little as a dollar a month uh, to help us out make our content even better than it already is. Just go to Patreon.com slash MediaBoat and you can donate there. That will do it. That will do it for episode 106 of the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific time for another edition live. So check it out and see you guys next week. All right. We're done here. Peace out, bro. Check it out. Bye. Bye.